everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mixing It Up with Maggie. If you haven't heard the first three episodes of this season, I really encourage you to do so. This season, I'm tackling our lives during this pandemic. It's been a year this month, March, since we've been on partially locked down in the United States and basically the whole world. Due to this partial closure, many people lost their jobs. Others started new work from home, while others started brand new careers. We humans are resilient and creative. People started to utilize manual, vocational, and creative skills to make ends meet and possibly to quit looking for corporate nine-to-five jobs and reinvent themselves. From social media to providing much-needed services to creating new products and invention, people are working. But the word work, career, and job are taking a new meaning. To talk more about this, I have here today with me, Veronica. I met Veronica last year. I needed a creative here at Pink Leo Productions to help me organize the brand and all of its assets. Veronica and I developed a friendship over our shared interests like feminism, Latinidad, and social justice. I was a guest on her podcast, The Biconscious Badass, on the topic of self-care, activism, and current events. Veronica recently became a life coach, so it's just fitting for her to come and talk to us about this topic. Veronica. How you doing? Hey, thank you so much for inviting me on. I had so much fun with you on my podcast. I encourage everybody to go listen to that episode. People have told me that it's their favorite episode from the first season. So it's a good one. Yes, uh, my name is Veronica Cordonier. I'm a life coach. And I like what you said there about people reinventing themselves. I, I really think that a lot of people are finding themselves and really banking on that nowadays. Um, and, and, you know, since the pandemic started, even more so people starting side gigs, side hustles and things like that. And I started I became a life coach in December of 2020. And really, I did that because I was unemployed. I found a very short term gig with Maggie. The only reason I took up that gig is because I believed in the values of Pink Leo Productions and what Maggie's working on. And I think that after leaving my last job, I've really been focused on doing things that are true to me. A job is a job. Like we do have to obviously make money to survive. But to me, I, I'm a very hardworking person and I take my job really seriously and I have to kind of be all in on wherever I'm working, really. Um, that's awesome. And that is why I, I have you here today. And I think we, we're just going to go right into it. Um, let's talk first about the definition of like work and job and, and careers, because COVID-19 basically made us be either you are unemployed or you are, quote unquote, an essential worker. And I feel like that entire subject made the whole definition of work and a job and a career kind of take on a new form. And I've seen that people now are basically their their job may just be social media, may just be making videos. We had a very brief conversation about um, OnlyFans and other kind of odd jobs um, that have people, I, I guess, recalculating what it means to to work, even though they are there is work. I think that people are either giving it more value now or saying, you know what let's leave some prejudices aside. These side hustles that we had for a while, maybe haven't been quite quote unquote approved by society, but now 
we just have to do it. Now it's about survival. So what do you what do you think of like those definitions and what people consider work and job and career nowadays? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Well, I want to start off by saying, of course, like the whole essential worker thing, people get on my nerves. You know, this country is run on the backs of immigrants and black and brown people, especially brown women and black women. Uh, And it's insane to me that they have gotten almost no protection and almost no help from the government. Uh, You know, a lot of them being sometimes undocumented, you know, from uh, Latin countries and uh, or or other places in the world, uh, Asian women as well, who are undocumented. So they can't go on uh, unemployment. They didn't have a social safety net. So we also have to recognize the privilege that we have in being able to have like online jobs. And I will say that even uh, brown and black women that were the pioneers of side hustles through the internet of selling tamales and selling empanadas and selling, uh, you know, beauty products <laughs> to each other uh, as a side job to help their family survive. So shout out to all the women. I mean, my mom sold Avon, <laughs> you know, when I was younger and um, probably Mary Kay. I don't remember exactly, but uh, those those careers go way back. And I think that, yeah, the definition of career is interesting because I started my career as a server And I remember when I was a server that every single other person that worked with me at the place I worked at had a degree, yet customers would like say or snicker or say it loud or say it quietly that like, you know, oh, you know, at least I'm not like a server. I don't know. I can't remember exactly what people would say, but people would look down on people who work in the service industry as if we didn't, we weren't well-educated people or we hadn't just done the right moves to get our nine to five. When in reality, a lot of service workers don't want a nine to five or they make hella money serving, which I did. I made more money serving um, waiting tables than I pretty much ever did and or have like since my since I quit that job um I will say that does take a huge mental toll and even more so now in the um during the pandemic and how much you know servers are just shit on and they have to deal with people you know not wearing masks obviously when they're eating and drinking it's a lot more dangerous career option now but people have to do it anyways because they have to support their families now to the idea of like what a career is I consider that the beginning of my career because that is where I started learning the skill set that still helps me today selling communicating with people now that I own my own business, customer service, you know, I do everything at, for my business. So um, it's really important to make sure that you don't discount yourself. Like a lot of people say like, oh, I'm just a receptionist or I'm just a server. Or, I'm just a fast food worker, or whatever job you may have. But you can't discount the fact that it takes a skill set to do what you do. And you're not like capitalism will tell us that we're easily replaceable, but nobody can like replace you as an individual in the workplace. Right. Like somebody said like, Oh, life coaching. Is there a lot of big booming industry in that? And I was like, yeah, sure. It's a big booming industry, but I'm the only Veronica Cordonier doing it. Right. Even though I might be new quote unquote at it, it doesn't mean that I can that I discount all of the skills and all of the experience that I got before this. If I just want to quit my job, I could just clean houses and get ma- make bank and not be around 
bosses and get to listen to my own music and make my own schedule and you know what have you so we can't discount the work that some people see as grudge work but other people make their livelihood you know and it and then I mean on top of that to go into side careers and to go into the internet and how the the internet has created so many new kinds of jobs. A big part of my job is marketing myself on the internet. And I think it's important for people to know that, you know, there is no you, there's nobody just like you on the internet. So if you do have a side job, if you do, you know, if you paint or make jewelry or do makeup or nails or um, I don't know, whatever it is that you do, that only you can do it yourself and as a unique person, there's an audience for you because there's like a billion people on the internet and somebody is going to like what you do. I remember telling my friend who's an artist and who's a little afraid to put their work up on the internet. I'm like, just put it up like 80%. And out the door is much better than perfection. And there's always going to be people that don't like you or don't like your work. And then there's always going to people going to be the people that do like you and do want your work. And then if you keep posting, there will be people who will literally just like your, their content because they like you. It, you might post a video that they don't even care about and you like it because guess what? You do that for the creators that you like and support and also making sure that you're not just um, servicing an audience, but that you're staying true to yourself. Like I said, like do things because you enjoy them, not because you think that it's going to make you money. And then the money just will come like when you're being genuine. And I think it's all about a mindset uh, of like knowing that you have value and purpose in the world, uh, regardless of who you are, what you're doing. Um, and that if you're again just like true to yourself, people will like you. Let's let's start with the with the service, the people that in the service industry, because these folks are absolutely resilient. They are people that um, who basically transform their skill set from serving tables and waiting and and busing tables to making masks and doing vaccines um, and. Uh, COVID testing as well. A lot of restaurants turn everything over into something that the society needed. Um, and I was so impressed by that. There were so many business owners too. I remember um, when the, the, the riots that we had also during the summer, particularly here in New York City, a lot of business owners that were black and brown business owners, they their entire business was they looted their business they they lost their business and they had to recreate their business as well which was again we're very resilient i think with me when it comes to work and and job and career i have like five different resumes for five different things i've been a teacher i've been a sales associate i've sold books clothing wine I have sold, I have, I, um, I've been a tutor. I started doing like resume writing for people. I worked at a summer camp. I did PA work. I did everything. I volunteer. Now I'm doing interpreting. It's just any, anything that, you know, that I like to do. And that in, involves, I guess, helping others and communicating with others, I guess. And all of that kind of goes back to what you were saying. We, we're, children of immigrants 
And I think that our parents gave us like that work ethic of, well, I came to this new country. I don't know the language. What am I supposed to do? I have this little baby that I need to feed. What am I supposed to do? That's kind of those, that resilience, I think that that has kept us going. And when you talked about side hustles, I'm thinking of also a lot of black and brown women that worked as um, street vendors and how they've also lost. But then because of the internet, now I'm seeing a lot of uh, friends and people that I never thought, you know, were into, for example, like cooking. They're like, hey, I know how to make these delicious chocolate bombs or these delicious, you know, tres leche. And you're what you're saying was right. We go out there and we support not just because we like those things, but because these are our, our people that were once probably in the street corner selling tres leche, selling um, avena, cafe. And now they're like, listen, I'm doing the same thing. Let's do context delivery. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's hustle and let's keep going. And I think that that's why a lot of the people that I've seen um, kind of grow out of the nine to five jobs are people that maybe had a family member, maybe their parents who show them that that's possible, that you can lose a job and gain another and still maintain and pay your bills. And it's hard, but that they were able to do it. You're right. Our parents did prepare us because my parents in particular, uh, they're musicians. And when they met, they would sell fruit on the beach. And with the money from selling the fruit on the beach is how they would pay for their train tickets to go to get to the beach and then back and like, you know, for their accommodations and to eat. And so they would like pay for a vacation by working uh, during their vacation. And they also did busking um, and they would sing like live music with guitar and charango on like buses in Chile and people would, you know, give them money tips and they would make more money doing that than they would at their day jobs. So they basically quit their day jobs and just went to do that, you know, full time. And that's how my parents basically developed their professional relationship before they even developed a romantic relationship. And then they lived in Norway and they worked in music and they also had day jobs and they moved here to America and they make music and they also have their day jobs. And um, it's important for people to know that you don't have to monetize your hobbies, but it can really help. (laughs) It can really help. And honestly, immigrants sometimes um, or black and brown people or Um, indigenous people don't have a choice like they're not making enough at their job so they need to make the money elsewhere and like you said when you're needing to feed a baby you're gonna do what you need to do in order to make sure your family can survive I also think and I maybe this will sum up but my aunt and she said this to me one time and I don't know why but it stuck with me and it's a phrase in Spanish and it says el que quiere puede Whoever wants it will do it. Um, and I think that that kind of like sum, sums up that that little bit. I kind of want to talk a little bit about people that then maybe reinvented themselves or maybe their job transition to being at home. I'm at home and it's a, it's a bit of a struggle for me and I guess for a lot of people who get organized and stay motivated, but all in the same 
faith. And I know a lot of people have talked about, oh, you know, make your little corner and whatnot. But I feel like that was something that we would do when we knew that we were going to be at home for like two weeks. Make a little corner, you know, or, you know, uh, they had like all of these videos on like tips and tricks on how to place your laptop a certain way and how to keep active and whatnot. And it's not just two weeks Like this is our lives now. And I have my own room finally in my life as I always shared my room. And I'm finding now that I don't feel comfortable in my room. I do everything in my room. I accept uh, eating, but I sleep in my room, but I have to wake up and go to work in my room. And I also have to go to school in my room. When I take a phone call, I take it here. And it's, it's like a, it's like staying somewhere somehow. And, you know, besides this, it's, also, you know, you mentioned something before we started about loneliness and being alone. And I think also inter even just interacting with like coworkers, it it's different because like, you know, I, I don't I don't get Zoom calls every single day from a from like a coworker or whatnot. I'm in a different kind of job, but this entire environment of having to share all aspects of my life in one place is really putting a damper on my productivity. And I wanted to know if you feel the same way or if you have any tips and tricks on how can we improve that? Absolutely. I mean, I literally moved <laughs> and got a two bedroom and I know I have luxury and privilege in being able to do that. Having a separate office from where I like eat and hang out has really changed the game for me. And not only that, but because I'm a creative person and I don't necessarily know what I'm going to be working on on any single day, it could be a podcast. So this is my podcast studio. It's actually a closet that I like put a blanket up and and fashioned into a podcast studio but I also like to play music I also um you know I, I have art that I do sometimes um I read a lot so I have a bookshelf I even put my vanity in here I just have my room where I work and I produce and then the rest of my house is sleeping and eating and hanging out and that is I understand that that's definitely a privilege but it was something that I definitely had to do for myself once I was like oh I think I'm just going to work from home forever maybe right <laughs> so definitely the making yourself a workspace where you you know when you enter that space it's work time right so if that's your desk like upgrade your desk chair upgrade your desk or invest in yourself honestly and in, invest in your pleasure whether that's buying fancy candles right that you light when you get to sit at your desk or nice tea that you drink when it's time to work and then additionally for me it's going on a walk every day like literally going outside and leaving leaving my house, going on a walk is so imperative, especially if the weather is nice, which it is most of the time. But I try and go every day in the golden hour. So like, you know, the hour before sunset. So time just changed. So it's a little later now, but five, five 6 p.m. to go on a walk. Um, I also exercise every single morning, first thing in the morning. Um, it just gets me out of the house. Also, I, you know, I go outside to exercise, um, but then it also like returns to me. I think that a lot of the times people put the thing they want to do at the end of their to-do list with the hopes that they'll get everything on their to-do list and then be able to reward themselves with the thing they want to do. But I learned from a life coach that you should actually do the opposite. Do the thing you really want to do first thing. 
And then once you start your to-do list, it's like you're going to go at it with all of the pleasure and excitedness of getting stuff done without being like, without punishing yourself if you don't get your to-do list done, which who does? Like, I don't. I pretty much expect that I'm not going to get through my entire to-do list in a day and that I'll just do whatever's left tomorrow and so on and so forth. It rolls over every day. Um, But I make sure and go outside first thing in the morning. If the weather's not good, you know, I still work out. Um, I try not to like go on social media too early in the morning. I just try and like have time to myself. And honestly, like, I know not everybody thrives with a regular routine, but it can be so helpful to just have an automated regular routine every day for the days that I don't feel motivated. Because even when you have a regular job, you have days that you're not motivated. <laughs> so, um, but you have that routine of driving to work, right? Like it, you still have to do the thing. So especially if you work for yourself and you can just not work if you want like you can just watch tv all morning um and so having the routine of being like no i only watch tv like when i'm eating lunch um and then like after 5 p.m or after my walk right i like to have something to look forward to every day of the week so i try and have like one major thing that needs to get done monday through friday and then saturday it's a bath and then sunday it's try to do nothing (laughs) my exciting thing of the week i do my podcast um, and so when I don't get to do it for whatever reason, someone cancels or, or whatnot, or something happens, it, it does kind of like drag me down a little bit. Um, I am one of those people that I do get very upset with myself when I can't, I can't finish my to-do list. So I have to remember to, I mean, I'm getting better at it. Cause I feel that as somebody who also suffers from migraines, I know that a lot of the times it's my body telling me like, Hey, you have to slow down. Like. And anybody who has migraines out there, I should do an episode all about migraines, but um, it's one of those conditions that it looks something simple. It looks like it's simple, but it's debilitating and it, it makes you forcefully stop. And so I think that that's something to, to remember. I love um, the part when you were talking about taking a walk. I don't do that enough. I don't get out enough. I think I... I try to air out my, you know, air out my room too, just because I feel like just breathing in the same thing every single day. Um, and investing yourself, I think is, is so smart. And I am very thankful that you mentioned it. A lot of people I've seen on social media that um, have tried to do this either, either, like you said, like, you know, drinking their tea or, um, even upgrading a little bit of their room. I definitely did that with my desk and, and everything. One of the things that I did, I didn't do before, but I do now. And I suggest people to do this too, is that if you can, if you have two different devices that you use, like for, like for school, I use something. And then for my podcast and my larger projects and, and also work, I do, I do it on a desktop. I try to disconnect or completely shut down one of those computers to indicate that for the weekend or on Fridays, for example, I'm on my little computer and my little computer is all about Pink Leo, for example. So that's my Pink Leo work, my Pink Leo password, and I just get into it. Um, But as long as I have like some sort of flashing light or something on from the other device, sometimes it reminds me of... Uh, this, I still have to do that one thing for 
for school or I have to do that other thing for work. And um, having, if you have the possibility, like you said, not everyone is, you know, have that luxury or privilege of having two different rooms, two different devices. Um, I personally do. And um, it really helps me at, at least distinguish the two things or multiple things that, that I do. And in, in, in talking about that and in, you know, taking the walk and doing things that helps me at least is to stay creative. And as I, as we're both, you know, creative uh, people, what are some tips that we can um, tell other people like us creatives to continue being creative and to continue being motivated? I lost a chunk of time where I didn't write and it really hurt me. And it was because I think when the pandemic first hit, I remember, and, and you read my essay on this, but there was a period of time where everybody was like, oh, if you're creative, this is your time to shine. Put out content every single day, do your YouTube video, do this, do that. All eyes are on the social media. You know, um, people are, were going viral all the time for doing something, you know, cute, simple and sweet and, and creative and funny. And that's exhausting. That that to me is exhausting. I don't know how people do TikToks. I just don't know. I mean, I could do maybe like one or something, but to have that be your everyday thing, you know, I applaud them. Um, but in terms of being, you know, creative, I write and writing is a different animal. It's, it's, a, it's just different and it takes time. And there's some days where I'm just very lazy about it and I do not want to do it. And it hurts me. And it hurts me when I don't, when I'm not creative. And I think during this pandemic, the patient of you being creative and get that book out. You're not doing anything else. What else, what else are you doing? It also really hurt me. This is a really great question. I love this question. I hope to get coaching clients from like people that are struggling with this kind of stuff because a lot of creative people do come to me for help. We have perfectionistic fantasies about being creative. We want to just be really good or we want whatever thing that we make to be like amazing. And that's really not where creativity comes from or is born from. Creativity should be born from just what you truly want and what you, again, your genuineness and sharing that genuineness with other people. Now, I don't think that you need to like write a blog every day to be good. What I'm saying is carve out a regular practice for doing something creative. I'll start with something start with how much you want to do. So if you want to say like, okay, I want to write something every day, do half. So maybe every other day or maybe three times a week and, and do less than what you think you have to do. So if you think you, so if you want to get into a writing practice, like you can start with as little as like one word a day, literally write one word a day. And if you were to write one word a day for 365 days, you would have a very interesting book. Same with photos. People do 365 day photo challenges. Now, these are things that you don't have to share with the world. You can just do it for yourself. And I think that over time, it's really great. If you're a cook, you know, making a different breakfast every day or making a different breakfast every Saturday. If you know Mark Mothersbaugh, he did all the music for like Rugrats and he's on Devo. He has drawn on a postcard size um piece of paper every day since 1973. He has like 60,000, he has thousands upon thousands of postcards that he has made. They were on display at the Austin Contemporary like several years ago when I went to visit. And 
some of the days there's nothing on the sheet of paper because he just clearly wasn't motivated. He might've just put a line, but some days he creates amazing artwork and it's because he created the space in his life to do that. Now, like every morning for me, I set my timer for five minutes and I write what I'm grateful for and what my intention for the day is. And I write out my goals and why I want to achieve them. Um, and some days, yeah, I don't want to write that stuff or some days I forget, but over the span of the last, like, I don't know, eight months or something, I have that for every single day. I can actually look back on my journal and I can do that with minimum effort. Another one is read just 10 pages of like an inspiring book every day um, or like just one page. I mean, after a while, you'll get through the book. Like you don't have to be perfect about reading or writing or drawing um, or even making a podcast. If you've ever heard some podcasts that are daily, they're like three minute podcasts that might just be an inspirational quote or whatever. Do less over time consistently and it comes out to more. Right. Um, and, you know, when I started the pod, my podcast last year, inspired by you, I just realized like it doesn't have to be perfect and I'm going to learn along the way and it's going to be fun i most of all it's going to be fun for me the two things that really hit me that you said where you know the the perfectionist fantasy and that's not part of the creative process that's that's kind of like that that fear that anxiety build up in that creative creativity comes from you know genuine and i think that that's why sometimes i don't put out a podcast for a while and it's because I maybe don't have something to say, or maybe I know how to say it, but in a video or in a blog, I think for, for me, I, I like things like Canva and, and other, you know, apps that you are able to, to do kind of like what you said, kind of like, uh, like small things, or even if I'm not writing, I'm doing something for my story. And I was talking to my friend about this, which is another thing too. having a friend, um, accountability also helps. Um, but I was talking to him about, you know, I don't, I didn't write every single day, but I would go, for example, on Canva and I would work on my pitch deck or I would um, go on Pinterest and I start finding things for my mood board for that story. Or I would um, talk to a friend about it to get more inspiration or or sometimes I would um, look back at my older writing as well. And um, I used to have this app. I think I still have it. It's called Fabulous. And that's where I started to do different goals every day. And one of the things that they have you do is do like a, what are you grateful for? And I actually do that at the end of the day. I know a lot of people love to wake up and, and give thanks. And I don't know why me as at the end of the day, it's like, oh, I've done, I have to remind myself that I do enough during the day. I think that's why at the end, I'm like, I'm grateful or I'm thankful um, for certain things because I always forget, I guess, how much it is that I accomplished during, during the day. I always feel like I can do, to do more. Um, and I think that um, that goes back to another question that I have here about balance and work balance, self-care balance, and staying social. I feel like, like you said, a lot of people put something that they want to do at the end of the day. And I think I'm one of those people. And there was this movie that I watched one time. I forget. I think it's Remember Me or something like that. Like a, um, a romantic story. But in it, the guy goes on a first date with this uh, young woman and she orders dessert first. And he's like, what? I mean, what, what's going on? Like, don't you eat dinner and dessert? And she was like, 
no, what if I die? Like I want to get what I want, which is a dessert and I get it first. And I don't know why that stuck with me. And it reminded me of what you just said. I don't know how you balance it all. And this is something that I'm hoping to work on on myself with you when I do coaching with you. But it's about this kind of like time management and self-care plus staying social plus work. I feel like a lot of employers are also taking advantage of the fact that we're home. And they're like, well, it is nine o'clock. What else are you doing? Why can you answer this email? And then there's also like, well, uh, friends, well, I haven't seen you in such a long time. Just throw on, oh, you don't have to do makeup or anything. Just go on Zoom. And you're like, I don't, I don't want to do that. What are some tips that you have for that, for, for that new balance that we have to do in our lives? Yeah, I understand. It can be hard. And you know, I'm not perfect at it either. Absolutely not. Like we will always have days where we'll have to take a mental health day. Something that my coach taught me was schedule your breaks first. So like when you're planning out your week and I know not everybody might be like nerdy like me where I have my day where I plan out the week, which is actually coincidentally today for me of the week, the day that I plan out my next week, especially because I'm kind of self-employed. So I have to, you know, make my own schedule. But even before when I was a project manager, I made other people's schedules or I reviewed other people's schedules. And when I did that professionally, of course, I always had to make sure that everybody had their hour long break and that they had, you know, times throughout the day. If they were working, you know, longer than eight hours, they had their times that they were taking their their 10 minute breaks or what have you. Um, and I think that people should do this as well. Like plan your breaks first. So when are you going to have lunch? You know, how much time are you going to have? Are you going to make your lunch or are you going to order lunch? You know, think, think I love thinking about my next meal. It's one of my favorite pastimes. So um, when am I, you know, when am I going to eat breakfast? When am I going to eat lunch? When am I going to eat dinner? Uh, I look really look forward to meal times. Before the pandemic, meal times I realized were my socializing time. When I was at work, I ate with my coworkers, you know. But then on, on top of that, like planning what you're going to do in the evening. Like I have this show I'm going to watch tonight or this movie I'm going to watch tonight. Uh, you know, we we really like TV. So having that TV time, honestly, I love having a queue of shows that I'm going to watch. And because I don't let myself watch it all day, when I get to the Netflix, it's very intentional about what I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch this movie that Maggie reviewed on her YouTube channel, you know, or whatever, or I'm going to catch up on my YouTube, um, my subscriptions. I can never get through all of them because I have so many. So that's fun for me. Planning the weekend, right? So like I go on walks in my neighborhood every afternoon, but on the weekend I go somewhere like really nice with a really nice view for a walk, right? Like I go to a nice park in, in the area um, or a hike or something. So kind of break it up a little bit to be more special. Um, or like I scheduled a talk for this Saturday, like just a FaceTime or a phone call with my college roommate that I never, I don't really, she doesn't keep up on social media. So we do have to schedule separate times to talk. And always like giving yourself and your friends and family the ability to say, hey, you you don't have to be on video for this. You know, <laughs> like don't pressure people to be on video. You're just lucky to get a little bit of their time, right? If you love them, um, you love them unconditionally. On that topic, can I <laughs> interrupt you? Um, eat your dessert first. I have two notes. I love the IT crowd. And there's this like quote where Moss is like, would anybody 
mind if I eat dessert first. <laughs> and I always love that quote. And then there's this diner here in Dallas called Norma's Cafe. And I'm pretty sure it's like on their wall. It's like, we recommend you eat dessert first because their dessert is so good, but also like their diner food is like chicken fried steaks and like just really, really big meals. So nobody ever wants dessert if they, if they eat the meal first. So it's like, they're just like, get the dessert now, have a little bit, then get your meal, then take a to-go box or whatever. First of all, I mean, you made my day. I love the IT crowd. I love Moss. And I can't, I feel like now I have to rewatch the show. But um, um, I wake up thinking about coffee. I know that this is really bad, but I'm like, mm, my mom's coffee. I have to get up to get it. Okay, I'm going to get up. Uh, my show for the week was usually WandaVision. If you guys haven't seen it, I know not everybody has Disney Plus, but um, WandaVision was my my show. And I would say to myself, on Fridays after work, I would watch Wanda because it's one of those shows that I need to sit down and I need to pay attention to. And I can't be doing anything else, which kind of forced me to be present in a way because I needed, I wanted to get all the clues and all the things. So um, if you, you find something, I feel like also like find something like that, right? That doesn't, you know, keep, like keep your mind like occupied for at, at least a tiny period of time. Um, and, and I and I definitely um, uh, recommend it. You have given us so much today, and I wanna I wanted you to take the time to talk to everyone about your podcast and about the services that you provide because these are just little things and these are very general things. But you work one on one with people, and I want you to talk a little bit more about what is it that that you do and and what is it and how can people also reach you through your podcast. Uh, I'll start with the podcast because. It kind of led me to where I'm at now, but my job changed a lot. The job that I had prior uh, last March when the shutdown happened, my job changed because I used to travel for most of the month, actually, or at least like half the month. I was traveling a lot at the beginning of last year, and I was only set to be traveling even more for my job. And then everything changed and we all paused and work changed a lot for me. Of course, I went through what I'm sure a lot of people went through, depression, loneliness, like what's going on on, you know, not being sure of everything. And then of course the um, uprisings of last summer happened and anti-racism has always been something that's been part of what I've worked on as an activist, not just, you know, feminist causes, but also anti-racist causes. And, you know, growing up an immigrant in this country, I'm white, but my parents are not white. And that's how I kind of knew that race didn't exist. Uh, so that's some, it's always affected my family. And so I've always been outspoken about that. But when the uprisings happened last summer, I saw that a lot of people were just newly coming into the activist world uh, or, you know, posting online and, and being vocal and encouraging people to donate to different causes and uplifting the voices of other brown, black and brown people and people of indigenous descent. And so I saw that there was sort of this need to usher in new people who might be coming to activism and who might feel just unsure of how to incorporate it into their life, right? Because you, you really can't live on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever social media you do, just posting every single day about things that are really tragic 
even though that seems like the reality that we live in nowadays, I really encourage people to walk away from the tragedy because it it can be too much, especially when it hits close to home for people. You know, this attack that happened recently in Atlanta harkens back to what happened in El Paso, you know, with people shooting minority groups and targeting us out. So that can really create a lot of anxiety. So I encourage people to actually step away from the news, but um, it's important to stay informed, of course. So that's where uh, at fall of last year, my friend was kind of having a little freak out because there was that possibility that the 45th president might also be the 46th president. And we knew that that would be very bad. And she had a freak out and she didn't know really how to process her feelings about it. So I started and I had been doing self-coaching all throughout the pandemic and I had discovered coaching back in 2019, uh, but had only really done it a little bit on myself. And then I was, I just got this like vision. I don't remember exactly how or why. I do remember I had started a consistent writing practice. I had started a consistent routine in my life. I got laid off in July. And after that, I was like, oh, I need to create structure in my life or else I'm just going to be a blob on a couch, which is totally fine to be a blob on a couch. But I work well with structures of accountability and telling people I'm going to do something because then I'm better. I will like more likely do it instead of just like saying it to myself. So I started these routines and structures of accountability for myself. And that led to, right. I I didn't force creativity every day, but I did write something every day, even if it was just like I ate eggs for breakfast. Right. And then through doing that, um, it, the creativity started to flow in because I had the practice and the routine of just doing it every day. So then I started writing and writing and writing and writing. And writing. So the first podcast that changed my life is called Unfuck Your Brain. So shout out to Unfuck Your Brain and Carla Lowenthal. Uh, and then I joined her her group of basically people who peer coach and self-coach. And throughout the 10-ish episodes of my first season of The Biconscious Badass, which is about wellness and activism and how to kind of marry the two in your life. And I do that and I show people how you can do that by just talking to people like you and other amazing activists of color and Black people and Indigenous people. Uh, and I speak to our experiences, not only navigating, you know, our identities, our pursuits that we personally are just interested as human beings and then also like our wellness our mental wellness our emotional wellness um and you know that obviously includes physical wellness as well but everybody has their own path to walk and that's really what my show is about is just showing the diversity of how you can get involved in your community throughout the podcast i realized that i really did want to be a life coach and by the last episode of the first season and i'm in my second season now um i realized i was like i'm going to just be a life coach so i can help people with these things directly and that has been great so coaching is really about um you know my um mission statement i guess for my coaching is creating positive change in people while shining a light on who they already are, right? Like showing people that they have everything that they need in their life already within them. Like I said, don't discount your skill sets. Don't discount different ways that you make money just because it might not be the usual way you make money, right? Basically guarantee your own results in life. So that's why coaching is so great because you can, it, it's a, an investment in yourself and it's the best investment you can really make in yourself because you can, again, 
once you start to believe in yourself, everything can change. You can do whatever you want. And that's why I made a podcast. That's why I started my own life coaching business. That's why, you know, now I really get to live the life I want to live every day. I decided one day I was like, I remember I had an ex that I was like, why don't we go on more walks? Why don't we spend more time outside? We're always just like watching TV and eating, you know? And of course this is pre-pandemic. <laughs> um, and then I realized like, why am I complaining to this other person about the things that I want? Like I should just, I should just go on walks. And if you want to come with me, cool. If you don't, cool. Like whatever. Like, but now I'm like, oh, I'm the kind of person that wants to go on a walk every day. Now this could be different for everybody, right? You might want to go on a bike ride every day. If you have a dog, you might want to, you know, talk, you might want to talk to your grandma every day, whatever it is, like the kind of person that you want to be, you can be that person. You can get there. And it, it just takes some kind of mind rearranging uh, of, of the way you're perceiving things and the way you're thinking and feeling. I like that you, um, you know, you're, you're very broad in, in what is it that you do, because I think that sometimes, for example, I would say, hey, I need some help time management. And then we start talking and it's like, Maggie, you need other kind of help. Like you don't know exactly what you need. Like sometimes you come in and I actually had someone in the past. Um, also, they were kind of like a create. They were, they were described as a creative coach and they actually did help me. But I just felt that it was more of like with something very specific. And I think that um, when we start when we start seeking help, I don't think that we know exactly what is it that we need. We may know actually where we want to be, but we don't know. We may think that we know how to get there or what is it that we need to get there. And then we start talking to someone like you and we're like, you know what? That's not what I need. Actually, I need this other thing. And so it's good that. Yeah all the time where clients come in for one thing and then it actually turns out that they're there for something else. And that happens to me in my self-coaching all the time too, where I'm like, when you start peeling back the layers of what you think about yourself, it turns out that we all tell ourselves a story about ourselves. And if it's not a nice story, then you're just treating yourself badly a lot, right? So we can rewrite our story and you completely have the power to do that. And once you rewrite your story, you can you can believe that story in everything that you do. Like, I'm not just a great podcast host. I'm also a great writer and a great producer and a great filmmaker and a great talker and a great YouTuber and a great, you know, friend and mom or daughter or sister or husband or wife or anything, right? But if you don't tell yourself a good story about yourself, forget about it. <laughs> um, so I want to thank you again for, for coming by and I wrote down so many, so many of your um, of your suggestions, and I hope people that are listening are also writing things down. And I'm gonna put the links down below to your social media and where they can find the the podcast and your services as well. Um, any last words? Yeah, I'll I'll send you all the links. I have a link tree. You can find my podcast at the Biconscious Badass on Instagram. I have a website called biconsciouscoaching.com where you can learn more about me. I do general life coaching, so I can help you with pretty much anything. I would love a challenge. Um, and you can uh, message me through there um, or just email me at veronica at biconsciouscoaching.com and you can schedule a free one hour consultation with me to 
see what you can get from life coaching. And yeah, you can find me on the internet. I'm sure Maggie will put all the links in the show notes. I'll send them over to her. Thank you. Thank you so much, Veronica. And everyone, please make sure to check out the first three episodes of this season. And please stay tuned because we have another episode all about our mental health. So I'm very excited about it. I think all of these have led up to this monumental episode on mental health. And and please check out Veronica's work. I'm going to put all the links down below. Thank you, everybody. Mm -hmm.